but your bucket has holes in the bottom. These are all the things that you say yes to when you want to say no. And those holes are in the bottom of the bucket. And no matter how much you pour into those buckets with your different practices like journaling and breath work and exercise and eating healthy, but you're not doing the work to plug the holes in the bottom, the energy is going to keep draining out. And so really the first thing that we need to do is plug up those holes by learning to say no to the things that we don't want and also saying yes to the things that we do want. Welcome to Lit Up AF, the podcast that helps you create a life that lights you up. I'm Jenny Rose, your average 30-something millennial who spent years following the conventional roadmap to success until one day I looked around and realized I was burnt out, uninspired, and living a life that was out of alignment with my dreams and desires. So I threw away the old roadmap and now I'm following my own inner compass as I create a life that leaves me feeling lit up as fuck. I started this podcast because I know that I'm not the only one who did all the right things yet ended up feeling trapped in a life meant for someone else. So if you're feeling stuck, consider this your permission slip to throw out the old roadmap, tune into your inner compass, and create your unique version of happiness, even if it doesn't make sense to those around you. Join me here each week for a dose of inspiration, encouragement, practical advice, and honest conversations with others on a similar journey. Let's dive in. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to Lit Up AF, the podcast that helps you create a life that lights you up. My name is Jenny Rose. I am the host of this podcast, and today we are going to be talking about a topic that I've known that I wanted to talk about since I first started this podcast, but it took me a little bit to figure out how I wanted to talk about this and honestly to build up the courage to have this conversation because older versions of me would be way too uncomfortable being this vulnerable on the internet for lots of people to hear, but My whole goal in starting this podcast was to help people. And so I want to talk about my depression story today and how it is that I have put my depression in remission after many, many years of struggling with this. And so I know that this is an important story to share because there are so many people out there that are suffering with depression and maybe don't know what to do, or maybe they feel like they've tried everything, or maybe they're in denial about it. I was in denial about it for a very long time that I was suffering with depression. And so if that is where you are at right now in your life, big hugs to you. This episode is for you. And I'm going to be talking about the 10 most important things that I have done to get myself to a place where I largely do not experience my depression symptoms. And I would say that I have struggled with depression since I was a teenager, although I wasn't formally diagnosed with it until I was in my late 20s. It is something that once I sort of got over the denial of being like, okay, yes, this is something that I have. This is something that I've been struggling with. I recognize that many of the symptoms I had been dealing with from the time that I was just a kid. And sometimes we think that depression is only that you are crying all the time and you feel super sad, but depression is a very, very nuanced condition. And there are many times where depression might show up as like complete numbness or 
emptiness or feeling like you are simply existing and there's no sense of joy and maybe there's not a sense of sorrow, but it's just this sort of like very flat level of existence. And how depression has showed up for me in my life has really wavered back and forth between those two opposite ends of the spectrum where there were many, many years where I just felt kind of completely disconnected and numbed and like the things that used to bring me joy didn't bring me joy, but I was kind of just in survival mode. And then there have been times in my life where my depressive symptoms have really showed up as like a lot of sadness and sorrow. And so for the first thing that I did that helped me get to a place where my depression was really manageable, it was to lean on medication when I needed it. When my depression was at its worst, it almost felt like I was leaking like leaking emotion everywhere. I couldn't stop crying. And it just felt like the simplest things would set me off. And I think it's because I had reached a point where I was so emotionally exhausted. And so the best way that I could describe it was that I was leaking because I would just be having tears just like leaking out of my eyes. And my husband would be like, what is going on? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell you why I feel this way. Nothing has set me off. It's just, it is too much. So often there is a stigma around mental health in the first place. And we are afraid to seek help because of that stigma. But for me, leaning on medication when I needed it was so, so supportive and really gave me my life back. So giving you the details here, I just want to remind you that this story is personal. And so everything that I'm saying here is really meant to reflect back to you like what I have done. And it has worked for me. But again, depression is extremely nuanced. And so what has worked for me might not necessarily work for you. But I want to give you these insights because it might send you in a direction that you hadn't previously considered for yourself. And I highly recommend working with a mental health professional or a doctor so that you can figure out the right path for you. But I remember when I was feeling my lowest, I was looking for stories out there just being like, how did other people deal with this? And not really finding too much out there. And so that is my goal in sharing this story is that maybe what I'm sharing with you will help you just to figure out a path that is going to work for you. And so the medication that worked for me is called Wellbutrin. And It's also called bupropion. It's like they have different names for, you know, like brand names versus non-brand names. But for me, I took this medication for probably five years, I want to say. And there was a period of time where when I was at my lowest, I went to my doctor and I explained the symptoms that I was having. And she prescribed me this medication and she put me on the lowest dose possible. It was an extended release. So I would take it once in the morning every day. And for me, for the first three, maybe four weeks of taking this medication actually felt worse. And it was changing my brain chemistry. And so it needed time for me to adjust to it. But I swear in the fourth week, it was like the clouds parted and I could see the sun for the first time in many, many years. And 
While butrin did not make me feel euphoric, it didn't make me happy every single day, it simply made me feel like me again. And it leveled me out and it just gave me the boost that I needed to be able to put into place all of the other things that I'm going to talk about on this list today that got me to a place where I could manage my depression. Because when I was at my lowest, I couldn't do anything to help myself. Like I was truly in survival mode. I could just go to work. And that was almost it. Honestly, it was like very hard to take care of myself. It was very hard to hold up any social life. It was very hard to really exist beyond sort of the bare minimum of the things that I needed to do in order to pay my bills and survive. And so if you are currently in a place like that, I'm not telling you to take medication. I'm simply letting you know that if you have any reservations about taking medication because you feel like for whatever reason that because of the stigma around it that you are failing if you take this medication, you're weak if you take this medication, I just want to encourage you to explore this option with your doctor. And maybe it won't be the right pill for you on the first time if you choose to take this route. I know for a lot of people, they have to cycle through a couple of different medications before they find what works for them. But for me, Wellbutrin really, really just gave me my life back. And For a long time, I stayed on the lowest dose. There was a period in my life where after a few years of taking it, I was feeling extremely down again because of circumstances that were taking place in my life. And this is something that I've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast when I was going through a separation from my husband. I was really sort of at the lowest low and I talked to my doctor and she temporarily increased my dosage so that I could kind of get through this rough patch. And that really helped me. And then after a couple months of taking that higher dose, I ended up going back down to my normal dose. And I am now three months without medication. And there was a time in my life where I thought I'm going to have to be on this forever. But that's not always the case. And for me, it was just the most supportive tool to give me the strength and the vitality back to be able to give myself a fighting chance to work on all of the other areas of my life that have now allowed me to really put my depression into remission. And so if that is something that you need to lean on, there is no shame. There is no need to feel like you have done something wrong. It is there to support you. It is just a tool. It is just a resource. And similarly, if you don't feel called to take medication, there is no pressure to take it. But I just want you to know that that option is available for you and that there's no reason to feel bad about it if you do need to lean on it. The next thing I did to help with my depression symptoms is I spent more time in nature. And for me, this has been one of the biggest, most life-changing things that I could have done for myself. And it sounds so simple, but I had spent so many years spending the vast majority of my time indoors, you know, working a desk job for a really long time, especially in the Boston area where winter is very long here. And there were days where it just felt like I never saw the sun and I spent all of my time inside. And the biggest change for me came when I started to implement walks into my daily schedule. And so For me, this is really easy to maintain when the weather is nice in this area. Like I love to get out first thing in the morning and get a walk. And then I love to get a walk in later in the day before or after dinner, before the sun goes down. And anytime that I am feeling a little down and a little blue, I now know 
that I will instantly feel better if I take a walk outside. Like there truly is not a time where I have been feeling down and I took a walk and it hasn't helped at least a little bit. And so again, sometimes when your depression is really, really has its hold on you, it's hard to want to exercise or eat good or do the things that take effort because you're already just sort of surviving at that point. But for me, there was nothing easier than just putting my sneakers on, putting my headphones in and just walking out the door and just walking until I felt better. And so if you have the strength to do that, do that. If you don't, it can also be nice to just like sit outside in your backyard, maybe, or if you're in the city, find a park, bring yourself like a hot beverage, cup of tea, cup of coffee, and just sit there and let the sun shine on you. And I promise you that the sunshine and breathing the fresh air, it's going to help you feel better. So this has been life-changing for me, and it is something that I continue to prioritize every single day, almost as like maintenance to make sure that my depression, even on the days that I'm feeling really, really good, that I'm still doing this to support myself. And there's a lot of research that is coming out now around your circadian rhythm. Our circadian rhythms have been so messed up by our modern lifestyle where, you know, we have electricity. And so we don't have to live by the sun now. We can stay up really late and we have electricity and we are constantly looking at screens and getting that blue light in our eyes. And it can really mess up our sleep schedule and our circadian rhythm. And so it's really good to try to implement good hygiene around your circadian rhythm. And one of the best ways of doing that is getting sunlight in your eyes first thing in the morning and then later in the day around the time that the sun would normally set. And so just being outside in nature is reminding your biological clock what time it actually is. And it is so, so, so supportive in helping you to feel your best. And so I strongly believe that spending more time in nature is something that will be helpful for everybody for a myriad of reasons. But for me, it is one of the biggest things that has helped my depression. Number three, I cleaned up my diet. And so I want to talk about food here, but I also want to talk about supplements. And reminder, even though I've already said it, I am not a medical professional. This is not my advice to you. This is simply what has worked for me. And I have done a lot of research around this over the years as I've sort of fine-tuned my approach to nutrition and supplementation. So there's a lot of medical practitioners that I have learned from around this, and I'm going to link everything in the show notes. So don't feel like you need to take notes down. I want to link the work of these professionals who I have found their work to be extremely informative for me. And I'll also put down what my supplements are in the show notes, but I want to make sure that you really hear me when I say that you shouldn't just add supplements into your routine without working with a medical professional. That's going to be extremely important. And a lot of my supplements that I take, they were recommended to me by professionals. So, okay, enough disclaimer. Let's dive in here. So again, depression is very, very nuanced and the root cause of depression can be so many different things. But for a lot of people, it does include inflammation in the brain. And one of our best ways of combating inflammation in our body in general is with our diet and our lifestyle as well. And so some of the doctors that I have learned from here are 
Dr. Amen, who has some really amazing books on depression and the brain and I think anxiety as well, if that's something that you struggle with. I think he's examined it from both of those spectrums. There's also Dr. Mark Hyman, who you might have heard of. He has an amazing podcast. I think it's called The Doctor's Pharmacy. I've listened to it a bunch. He has a lot of books out. Like both of these doctors have a lot of they're just very prolific in terms of creating books and social media and all of the things. So if you look them up, you will be able to find a lot of their recommendations. There's another doctor whose name I'm forgetting right now that has been extremely influential in the adjustments that I've made that has focused really on nutritional psychiatry, which I think is so fascinating that that is an area of study now. And so I'll make sure that I link him as well in the show notes. but. Something that he said that was like a little ditty that I kind of got stuck in my head that I think about a lot when I am figuring out what I want to cook for the week or how I want to eat is seafoods, greens, nuts and beans, and a little bit of dark chocolate. And so these are foods that help to reduce inflammation in the body. So what I have learned along the way is not going to be earth shattering to anybody who's listening, but For me, it was actually very earth shattering seeing how much of an impact this change to my diet has made on my mental health. So prioritizing greens, so leafy vegetables, cruciferous vegetables, non-starchy veggies. So not necessarily just greens, but things like kale and spinach and broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and carrots and bell peppers and all of the veggies that have so many antioxidants. And I'm not talking here necessarily about things like potatoes, which potatoes are very healthy for you, but they just don't have the same kind of impact that these darker, leafier greens are going to have on inflammation in your body. They're still healthy foods, but, you know, specifically for inflammation, that's what I'm focusing on here. And then prioritizing really good protein sources is very important. And so making sure that you're having good quality protein. So grass-fed meat, pasture-raised eggs or poultry, seafood especially. So there are omega-3s and omega-6s. And What is healthy in our body is to have sort of like a 50-50 ratio between the two of them. But we tend to be very high in omega-6s, which are found more in land animals like beef and poultry and pork. And then we're usually lower in omega-3s because we tend to eat less seafood nowadays, most of us. And so I really prioritize having seafood in my diet each week. So salmon is a really good one. Tuna fish is a really good one, but there's lots of different seafoods that you can eat, scallops, shrimp, just really making sure that you try to balance the proteins that you're eating. And then also making sure that you have a good amount of protein each day. And so I try to hit 100 grams or more each day and really just making sure that everything that I'm eating, whether it's a meal or a snack, has some solid protein source in there. Now, if you're a vegetarian, you can still get high protein in with other protein sources like beans and tofu and vegetarian or vegan protein powders. But we really want to make sure that we're being very conscientious in how we are consuming protein. Additionally, I supplement with omega-3s. I supplement with fish oil. Again, if you're a vegetarian, I know that there are like, I think, krill oils that you can get. But 
This is something that I started supplementing with many, many years ago at the suggestion of one of my doctors. And I will never be without fish oil. It is something that I take every single day because even though I do try to eat a lot of seafood in my diet, I know that it is still harder to get enough omega-3s into my diet. And so it's something I've been supplementing with for many years and I find it so, so valuable, especially in the winter, in the colder, darker months where I really kind of get the blues. I always prioritize having fish oil every single day. Nuts and beans are also super supportive for your health. So lots of healthy fats in there, healthy starches, fiber, all of that good stuff. And so I try to make sure that I have Brazil nuts every day. I try to have walnuts, which are also really high in omega-3s. But in general, I really love to get trail mix from Trader Joe's. There's like this little trail mix pack that you can get. They're individually packaged that have dark chocolate chunks and almonds and cashews in there. And I just love that trail mix so much. Like it's my favorite travel snack. I always make sure that I have a little package of it in my bag so that if I get hungry, I have a nice solid snack there to sort of tide me over. But in general, we want to make sure that we are eating frequently, that we are eating enough, that we are prioritizing protein and healthy fats. If you grew up in the 90s or the early 2000s, there was really atrocious diet culture there. And I have had to recognize that for many years when I was younger, I was not properly fueling my body and therefore not properly fueling my brain. And this is something that I have sort of had to actively untangle in my adult life because I found that even when I thought I was eating enough when I actually began tracking my food. I wasn't eating enough calories each day, and I certainly wasn't getting enough nutrients each day. And so if you aren't exactly sure how much you're eating each day or how much protein you're having each day, then I really like to write down what I'm eating. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like if you are somebody that doesn't necessarily want to track calories because you have a history of disordered eating or something like that, then I don't recommend doing that, but perhaps you can just kind of jot down in a notebook, making sure that, okay, let's see how many veggies I'm having each day. Let's see how much, how, how many protein sources I'm incorporating and that sort of thing. And it's just good to be very intentional and informed about what you were eating because when you're not really paying attention, which I was not for so long, it was harder to get what I needed each day. Now, additional supplements that I have incorporated that have been extremely helpful for my mental health has been vitamin D3. This is something that another doctor recommended to me. She told me that many, many people are deficient in vitamin D3 because we spend so much of our time indoors, especially if you're somebody that lives, you know, a little bit further from the equator like I do. It's even harder to make sure that you're getting enough vitamin D3. And so I have been taking 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 most days for probably the past 10 years or so, and it has made a massive, massive difference in my mental health. I do recommend working with a professional here. 5,000 IU might be too much for you. It might be something that you want a little bit less of, but vitamin D3 is actually extremely hard to get in your diet, and so Really, the only source of it is sunshine on bare skin, you know, without SPF. And it's something that it doesn't take that long for your body to produce enough for it. It's just that you do have to make sure that you're doing this very frequently or you can supplement with it. And so for me, 
This has made a massive difference. I also supplement with a good multivitamin, which is something that another doctor recommended to me, as well as magnesium. Magnesium is also something that tends to be lacking in the vast majority of the population. It's harder to get this in food sources, and a lot of the foods that do have magnesium in it, we're not necessarily eating them every day, and we're not necessarily eating enough of them. And so this tends to be a micronutrient that many people are deficient in, and having a really good high-quality multivitamin is also going to cover a lot of bases. Now, it is important to note that supplementation is not going to be a replacement for healthy diet, but it is very helpful to be able to plug up some of the holes for different micronutrients that you might not be getting in your day-to-day diet, no matter how well you are eating, our soil tends to be very depleted now. And so we're just lacking a lot of micronutrients that older generations didn't have to struggle with because the soil was less depleted. And so again, work with a professional to figure out what micronutrients you might be lacking. But for me, these have made a world of difference in my depression and supporting my mental health. Number four, I did the inner work. And this is something that we've already talked about on some of the previous episodes of this podcast. But for me, doing the inner work looked like working with a therapist, which is something that I did for probably about a year and a half. For many people, they enjoy working with a therapist for a lot longer than I did. But I felt like I had reached a point where I'd gotten what I needed out of therapy. And Financially, it was a better decision for me to stop seeing a therapist for the time being. And I would totally go back if the time comes where I feel like I need a little bit of extra support there. But sometimes it is so valuable to just have somebody who can hold a safe space for you to have conversations and can kind of help you to untangle your patterns and your past and just be that support system for you. So therapy was massively life-changing for me. Journaling, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you're probably so sick of hearing me talk about journaling, but it has made a world of difference for me just in terms of like connecting to my inner self and understanding what is going on beneath the surface and just kind of getting to the root of what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, all of that. And so journaling is one of my favorite tools for tuning back into myself. And I've also read a lot of books around this. So I've talked a lot on this podcast about the holistic psychologist. She is one of my favorite people out there who is talking about this, but there are lots of other professionals that are talking about this. I also really like Dr. Gabor Mate. I hope I didn't just butcher the pronunciation of his name. I've seen so much of his work and I've read some of his books, but I've never actually heard his name pronounced out loud. But he is an amazing trauma specialist who really breaks down the impact of trauma on us as adults. And so those are two people who have just put so much information out there that I have found resonated with me and helped me to go deeper and learn what was going on beneath the surface. Because so often the challenge is not in fixing a pattern or changing a pattern. It's in recognizing that the pattern even exists. And so their work has really helped me to identify that. And I know that the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicola Perra, I think she has like a self-healers circle that she does on occasion. And she has a workbook that came out that helps you to do the work. And 
I have found both of their work to be very transformational for me. So you can't rush the process of inner work. It really is a unfolding. But I truly believe that the work I've done over the past three, three and a half years has enabled me to be a healthier, happier, more well-adjusted human being now that I have done that work. Number five, I stopped saying yes to things that felt out of alignment for me. This is something that my fellow people pleasers are going to really resonate with. So often we are socialized as women in particular to be convenient, to say yes, to be polite, to not talk back, to not trouble anyone. And it really teaches us from a young age to put other people's needs and priorities first and to abandon our own. And it leads to us saying yes to things that we know are actually a no on the inside. And so this can be applied in so many situations. Maybe it is a relationship, maybe it is a job, maybe it is a commitment that you have agreed to, maybe it is a lack of boundaries in your family or in your social circle, but it depletes you so much when you are constantly saying yes when it's really a no on the inside and you're not honoring that. And it can be so uncomfortable at first to learn how to say no when you're so used to just saying yes, 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 and giving everybody else what they want and they need. But for me, this has changed my life because it has, yes, been a little bit uncomfortable to say no at times to things that I know I didn't want because it disappointed somebody else or put someone else in a position where they had to do more work or put more effort into something that I said no to. But By honoring my no and sticking with my boundaries, it has put me in a position where I'm not constantly draining my own life force and energy. And you are not going to be vital and vibrant if you are constantly depleting yourself. And I've been talking about this a lot in the self-care challenge that I've been running for the month of April where If you had listened to the previous episode about having really good self-care practices, I talked about the mind-body-soul buckets where your mind bucket is going to represent your emotional and mental health and your body bucket represents your physical health and your soul bucket represents your relational and spiritual health. And I talked a lot in the challenge about how when you are constantly trying to pour into the bucket but your bucket has holes in the bottom. These are all the things that you say yes to when you want to say no. And those holes are in the bottom of the bucket. And no matter how much you pour into those buckets with your different practices like journaling and breath work and exercise and eating healthy, but you're not doing the work to plug the holes in the bottom, the energy is going to keep draining out. And so really the first thing that we need to do is plug up those holes by learning to say no to the things that we don't want and Also saying yes to the things that we do want. And sometimes we don't let ourselves have the things that we want. It's like this weird self-sabotaging behavior that we have where we think, oh, I'm not good enough to have this thing or I don't deserve this thing or there's no way that this thing that I want can really happen for me. It's like we hold ourselves back so much. And so 
It is so important for you to say no to the things that deplete you, say yes to the things that give you life, and plug those holes up in your buckets so that you're not constantly on the hamster wheel of pouring in, leaking out, pouring in, leaking out. And so this has really changed my life as well. Number six, I dramatically reduced my alcohol consumption. And I know that for some people, this is going to be a hard one because we have been so socialized to drink for every occasion and for every mood. It's like we drink to celebrate. We have champagne or we go out for birthday drinks. We drink when we're sad and it's sort of encouraged to be like, you just went through a breakup. Let's go out and get fucked up. And it's like alcohol is actually a depressant. It's truly a depressant. And even though you might feel like you're having fun and you're elated in the moment, it is again, one of those holes in your bucket that is depleting you. And for me, I realized that when I would drink, I would usually end up crying. And I probably have friends and family who are listening who are kind of laughing a little bit because they're like, oh, yeah, I've been I've been out with this girl on a night where she maybe had one too many and she started crying. And it's like, this is something that has shown up for me for as long as I have consumed alcohol. And it was always embarrassing, but also it helped me to realize that like there's a lot underneath the surface that you're not dealing with. There's a lot of inflammation in your brain because you're not taking care of your body or your soul or your mind. And for me, alcohol takes more from me than it gives to me. And so I'm not entirely sober. I do sometimes enjoy having drinks with friends in like a low-key social situation, but I've dramatically reduced the amount that I will drink as well as the frequency at which I will drink. There was a period of time where I was going out all the time with friends, go out to dinner, get a few rounds of drinks, go out to brunch, get a few rounds of drinks. I was never really like a big drinker at home. Like I wasn't you know, having alcohol with dinner or using it to unwind at the end of a long day. But it was something that I leaned on pretty heavily in social situations. And so I have dramatically reduced this in my life. And for me, it has made a massive impact. Again, I'm sure that this goes back to inflammation in the body as well. And this helps to reduce inflammation in your body by reducing your alcohol intake. And I'm not saying that for anybody listening that is feeling a lot of resistance around this, I'm not saying that you can never have a drink again. I'm just simply suggesting maybe examine your relationship with alcohol and notice if it is something that is maybe taking more from you than it's giving to you and consider reducing the amount that you're drinking and the frequency at which you drink. For me, it made a massive difference. And I know it's probably an an unpopular opinion, but I think that this can be really life-changing. Number seven, I prioritized exercise that I enjoyed. Kind of going back to the piece that I was talking about when it came to food, about how, you know, growing up in 90s and early 2000s diet culture, exercise really had sort of seemed to me like a punishment. Like it was something that you did when you felt like your body was not good enough and you used exercise to punish yourself into a particular body shape or weight. And so that was something that had really 
carried over for me for many years because that's sort of what I had seen. And I didn't think I enjoyed exercise. And at this point, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I also teach yoga and I love yoga. Yoga has been a part of my life now for probably six years. And it really checks all of the boxes for me. I love yoga for my physical health. I love yoga for my mental health. I love yoga for my spiritual health. But for me, it was really sort of the first glimpse back into moving my body in a joyful way. And exercise is something that increases dopamine and truly makes you happier. There's so many endorphins that give you that mood boost when you exercise. But for me, it wasn't enough to just like do exercise simply because it made me feel good. At the end of it, if I was struggling throughout it and not enjoying the entire process, but once I discovered yoga and walking, which I already talked about being a massive game changer for me, I also came to enjoy exercise and moving my body. And since then, it's really branched out into other things. Like now I'm really enjoying Pilates. I love hiking. I like riding bikes. I'm newly getting into weightlifting, which has been a really cool exploration for me because I've tried it in the past and I've not enjoyed it. But right now I am actually feeling like this is fun to challenge myself in this way. And so shifting my relationship with exercise into something that was more for enjoyment and less for changing my body in some way has completely changed the game for me. And again, I recognize that sometimes when you're at your lowest of lows, exercising can just feel impossible. And that's when I really recommend leaning into having fun and making it as easy as possible for yourself, even if it's just five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Committing to doing this and showing up for yourself is going to give you that boost. And the more that you do it, the more you enjoy it and the more it becomes part of your routine. So start small, maybe watch a YouTube video so that you don't have to leave your house or throw on your shoes and just walk out the door like I was saying and listen to your favorite music while you're on that walk. And it will help you to feel better and to build up the muscle, no pun intended, of exercising each day. And it becomes part of your life. And once you enjoy it, it really, really changes everything. Number eight, I stopped pretending to be okay when I wasn't. I hid my depression from myself for a long time, but then I also hid it from everybody in my life. And I have this distinct memory of when I was really going through it with my separation where I was temporarily living back at my parents' house because I needed a place to stay while I figured out my new living situation. And I was working remotely because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And I was a producer or a project manager by trade. And I was running a lot of meetings for my teams. And I just remember that I was so depressed at the time. And I would be crying at my desk in my parents' little office, just like, sitting there being like, wow, I've really fucked up everything in my life. Like, this is a disaster. And then I'd have to hop on a meeting and I would wipe my tears and I would smile and I'd be like, hey, everyone, how are you doing? It's so great to see you. How's your day going? And it was just this like complete flip of the switch. And now I'm not saying 
go to work every day and cry at work and complain about your life to all of your coworkers. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just that this mask that I was wearing, I wore in every aspect of my life. My friends didn't know. My family didn't know. My coworkers didn't know. There was no one that I really felt safe trusting with how I was feeling. Besides my therapist at the the period of time that I had a therapist, it was like, okay, I feel like I'm paying this person to deal with my emotions. But everybody else, they don't want to see what I'm going through. They don't really want to know how I'm feeling when they ask me how I'm doing. Like to me, I thought I was the ultimate burden on people by having emotions. And there's a whole episode of this podcast about vulnerability, and you can go back and give a listen to that. I'll link it in the show notes. I think that these are two like very related topics here, but by not letting anybody have a window into who I was and how I was truly feeling, it cut off the opportunity to connect with people. And the funny thing about this is like, I love when my friends and my family and my loved ones come to me and they need support and they need help and they need advice. I'm like, I'm your girl. I will listen to you forever. I remember back in high school, one of my best friends going through a tough breakup and we would talk on the phone every night for the first few weeks until like two in the morning because she was sad. And like, I didn't mind that at all. It was like for me, I love being there for my friends. Like maybe it's that cancer rising in me where I want to nurture the people that I love and I want to be supportive and I want to be there for them. But God forbid I fucking let anybody be there for me in that way. And I'm still not the best at this. This is something that I am working on. But I started to joke around with my friends where I'd be like, okay, I'm on day zero. And by day zero, I meant it was zero days since I had cried. And even though I wasn't sitting there sort of telling them every little detail about every thought that went through my mind, like just simply acknowledging like I'm not my best right now. I felt supported and I felt seen just being able to be like, yeah, like this is where I'm at right now. And this is what life is like for me at the moment. And so I really want to encourage you here to stop pretending that you're okay if you're not okay, because there are people in your life that want to support you. And again, it's always important to have that discernment where it's like, okay, you don't necessarily want to tell everybody in your life just because not everybody is able to be there for you and not everybody is going to be able to hold the space for you. But recognizing that there are people who are safe for you to talk to, that are supportive and want to be there for you, let them be there for you. You'll be there for them when they need it. Maybe you've been there for them when they've needed it, but let them support you in your hardest times because we're not meant to go through life alone. And especially when we're depressed, it can be so helpful to just have somebody in our corner encouraging us and helping to lift us up because we need all the support that we can get when we're really feeling at our lowest lows. Number nine, I learned to validate myself. I worked a lot on my self-worth I came to recognize through doing my inner work that my self-worth was in the tank. I had based my entire self-worth around what other people thought of me, how much I was able to produce in my job, whether or not my partner wanted me. And I realized that at the time I was going through my separation, that I had made my entire 
self-worth dependent on one other person's perspective of me. And so old habits die hard. It was really challenging for me to learn how to validate myself and how to stop seeking approval from everybody outside of me. I started this journey by doing a lot of affirmations in the mirror where I would look at myself and I would say nice things to myself. And it was so hard and awkward to do this at first because I didn't believe any of the things that I was saying to myself. I didn't believe when I would say, I am a good person. I am worthy of love and respect. I am worthy of being happy. I am worthy of living a life that lights me up. All of those things, I didn't really believe it, but I committed to saying it. And somewhere along the way, my brain really started to believe it because I was reinforcing those beliefs every day by looking at myself and saying them out loud on repeat. And so I was doing this every day for a few months when I was first really like going through the hardest time in my life. But as I sort of started to feel a little bit stronger in my self-worth, I had to look at my relationships with the people in my life, with my job, with all of this. And it really is probably what has been one of the most important kicks in the ass to start this podcast and to start down this journey that I'm currently on was figuring out how to validate myself and how to show up in the world in the way that I wanted to show up. And so for me, I wanted to spend less time moping around in my own energy and feeling bad about myself and more time helping other people and putting out positive energy into the world. And so I think that there's so many ways that you can go about improving your self-worth, but at first it really looks like decentering the other people in your life and focusing on how to make yourself feel good and feel worthy. This leads to number 10, which I think 9 and 10 are very closely linked. I learned how to put myself first. Again, we've already talked a little bit about people-pleasing tendencies here where we say yes to things that aren't aligned for us because we feel guilty saying no. And for so many people listening right now, you might feel like me saying I put myself first makes you feel like, well, I can't do that. That feels really selfish. That feels like I can't be a good partner or a good parent if you have kids. I can't be a good sister or brother or family member, like whoever it is that you feel beholden to and that you feel like you are doing so much for them. Maybe you feel like they won't be able to live life the way that they need to if they don't have your support. And I want to challenge that. I think that I had come to live for so many other people in my life, but really it was mostly my work and my marriage that I was in a constant state of resentment because I was giving, 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 felt like I wasn't receiving as much back as I was giving. And the thing is, these were unspoken contracts. Nobody was expecting me to give, give, give to the point of depletion or emptiness. And yet I felt like I had to. I made myself feel like I had to. 
And so I was constantly pouring from an empty cup and it was depleting me to the point that I felt like I had nothing left to give. And I have spent the last couple of years learning how to put myself first, even in situations where it's very uncomfortable because I recognize now that the fuller my cup is, the more I can pour energy and love and goodness over into every other aspect of my life and still be full because my cup is overflowing. And then I'm giving from a place where I'm not resentful because I'm giving from a place of genuine enjoyment and giving and not a place of resentment or a place of feeling like, well, I have to give, which was really, really burning me out and just making me so miserable. And so if you feel like you are a martyr, like you are constantly giving, never getting back what you are putting into everything else, I challenge you to examine those relationships or commitments or jobs that you are giving too much of yourself to. And as uncomfortable as it will be, prioritize your needs, pull back. And there might be some resistance at first if the people in your life, if they're used to getting so much of you and now all of a sudden they're getting less of you, they might be a little bit upset by that. But stay strong. Hold with the discomfort. And Usually you'll see sort of like a, a pendulum swing to the opposite end of the spectrum where when you're no longer handholding or babying all of the people in your life, they become more self-sufficient and they were always capable of doing it all along, but they didn't need to because you were giving to them and you are making it easy for them to be lazy here. Now, of course, this is different if you are a parent or a caretaker in some way, and there is somebody that is truly relying on you that does not have the means or the ability to take care of themselves yet. I'm not saying that you should completely abandon your responsibilities. I'm not saying that you should completely abandon your responsibilities to anyone or anything. I'm simply suggesting that you find a way to pour back into your cup there's a reason why airlines always say to put your mask on before you help others because you need to be at your best, at your fullest capacity before you can give to others. And this is doubly true if you are suffering from depression because you already are in a place where you are lower energy, where you are less resilient, where there is just too much stress on your body to be giving, giving, giving. And so focus first on filling your cup back up, prioritizing yourself, prioritizing your needs, maybe in some or all of the ways that I've already described in terms of taking care of your health, your nutrition, your exercise, your inner work, stop saying yes to things that don't work for you, all of the above, just really focusing on putting yourself first before you give more to others. Okay, I think that's all I have for you today on this particular topic. If you are struggling with depression, I just want you to know that you are not alone and I promise that things can and will get better. There were so many times on my journey where I just thought, this is it. I'm going to feel like this the rest of my life. There's nothing that I can do. And I want to encourage you to put the power back into your own hands because there really is so much that we can do to improve our depression 
symptoms. And I also want to remind you that the suggestions listed in this episode are not something that I did in a day or a week or a month. It took me time to implement these things, to tweak them, to find what worked for me. And it has been a journey. And I'm not saying that you can't see dramatic improvements quickly. Maybe some of these things will really move the needle for you right away and you'll start feeling better way faster than I did. But I do want to remind you that sometimes it takes time and it takes trial and error to get to where we want to go. So don't give up because life really can be so beautiful and we learn so much from the challenges that we face. Depression has been a constant companion for me in my life, but it has also been an amazing teacher. I have learned so much about myself because of this struggle. And although there are times that I wish that I didn't have to experience this, I also can see the silver lining and the gifts that I have learned from struggling with this. I hope that today's episode brought you value. If this is something that you want to talk about further, feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at litup underscore AF, or you can always get in touch with me on my website at litupaf.com. If you have any questions about anything we talked about, or you're looking for any other suggestions, again, I would be happy to talk to you about what worked for me because I just want everybody to live their best life and it can be really challenging to do so when you are struggling with depression and every day feels like an uphill battle. But I promise that things can get better. The 10 tips that I talked about in this episode today are what really changed the game for me. So give them a try. I hope that you are feeling better soon and I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Thank you so much for being here with me. I will be back next Friday. Love you. Bye. If today's episode lit you up in any way, please consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you feel would benefit. If you want to continue the conversation on today's topic, I would love to hear from you over on Instagram at litup underscore AF. Lastly, I would so appreciate it if you left a rating and review for the podcast to help it reach more listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found value in today's episode. I'll be back next week. Love you. Bye.